Apps are becoming such a huge part of our lives, they're starting to replace people. I'm fairly sure that's a good thing, but I'm also not sure what that says about me as a person. Well, whatever, we're going to explore it. It's the Benefit of a Doubt Podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week, I'm looking back on my vacation to Disney again. What can I say? My vacation was not only awesome, but a fun-filled technology fest, which made it even more fun-filled. So we're dwelling just a little bit. I admit that. So anyway, one thing that I ran into a lot on vacation was using apps to basically replace the people who would otherwise be providing services. From skipping the front desk, to check into my hotel, to ordering and picking up food at the park, to renting a car, just walking up to it and getting in and leaving. The apps really shaped my experience, and it was really cool. But is it a better way to do things? We're not so sure, so Cliff stops by to talk about it. And while we're at it, I've got a tech yeah item that I'm pretty happy about. It's an anchor extension cord, similar to the one I talked about a few weeks ago, but with some extra tricks up its sleeve. And we will get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. For those of you who are job searching, I have good news and bad news. The good news is Google is hiring a senior engineering manager, and the bad news comes after the comma of that job title because the job listing is specifically for a senior engineering manager, comma, Android tablet app experience. (laughs) What? Yes, it seems Google is going to start paying attention to Android tablets again, and thank goodness. It can't be just Lenovo and Samsung forever, for cripe's sake. So, not only is Google looking for someone to wade into the smelly, twisty pool of juicy farts that is Android tablets, but get this. Google also says in the job listing, quote, We believe that the future of computing is shifting towards more powerful and capable tablets. Yeah, right, like iPads and, oh, by the way, three years ago. Seriously, though, I have to give Google props for finally waking up and smelling its sheets on fire. As the saying goes, better really, 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 really amazingly late than never. Google finally wants to you know, actually acknowledge that Android tablets exist, which is a real step forward for them. Oh, and speaking of stepping forward, you'll notice that I said step forward and not step forwards, and that's because American English tends to favor words like forward, toward, and the like without the S on the end. Brits add on the S and more power to them. But it makes me wonder who wrote the ad for Google and whether or not they came from across the pond. Oh, lovely. Pip-pip cheerio, governor. Yes, it's pedantic, but welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. A couple weeks ago, Microsoft lost its damn mind and bought Blizzard. This week, Sony said, hold my beer, and bought up Bungie, a gaming company known for the Destiny franchise of games. And Microsoft said, (laughs) what beer? That little thimble you gave us, Thumbelina? Yeah, get out of here. And Sony definitely did not have acquisition envy over the size of Microsoft's... acquisition. What do you think I was going to say there? Penis? It's fair, but no, I was not, except I just did, and I bet you think you're pretty damn clever now, don't you? Don't you! 
Bungie Games will continue making games for all platforms, announcing, quote, We remain in charge of our destiny. No pun intended. We will continue to independently publish and creatively develop our games. We will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. Our games will continue to be where the community is, wherever they choose to play. Presumably, that means that Sony will not make Bungie Games exclusive PlayStation games, unlike some other $81 billion acquisitions I could name, so that's a win for gamers. Sony just wants a piece of that sweet, sweet Destiny Pine. Anyway, this is the third major gaming studio acquisition this month since Take-Two announced its acquisition of Zygna Games earlier in January. And just everybody's buying everybody, I guess, and speaking of which... Apparently, this game-buying spree was not limited to huge studios with major catalogs of games. In the New York Times offices, the head of games was all like, What the heck? Everybody is buying every game out there! We're gonna get left behind! You, Johnson, what's that you're playing? Wordle? Never heard of it! Buy it! And so they did. The New York Times acquired the viral word game for an undisclosed price, said to be in the seven-figure range, and considering Wordle was built by one guy... Honestly, congrats to Josh Wardle. That's a hell of a payday for a week's worth of work and a few months of upkeep. Of course, the New York Times announced the acquisition on its website, which was behind a paywall. And holy crap, you can see where this is going, can't you? The New York Times is famous for its word games, many of which are subscription-based, so it doesn't bode well for Wordle fans. It does bode well for the New York Times because it's fairly sure that many of the millions of daily players will want to pay for the game. The New York Times said that Wordle will remain initially free for new and existing players. Um initially and that's the crux of the consternation among the fans of the game and rightly so personally i won't pay to play wordle but as long as it remains free it is kind of fun so let's just hope the new york times doesn't ruin it you know all those Starlink customers sitting around thinking to themselves, gosh, I'm really enjoying these spotty connections, cats sleeping in my satellite dishes, and high latency, but it's just not expensive enough. Well, I have good news for you folks. Starlink is starting to roll out Starlink Premium, which promises up to 500 megabits per second for a measly $500 per month. Meantime, my cable provider, Wide Open West, is giving me 500 megabits per second for... $50 per month, so that's a little crazy. SpaceX currently promises up to 250 megabits per second for $99 a month, so you can double that for a measly five times the price. I'm not really sure how that math works out, but okie dokie. And again, Starlink is a good solution for a problem that shouldn't exist in the first place. Broadband internet has become a requirement in today's modern society, and companies are just refusing to provide service that is what's the word that i'm looking for oh right good sure we get it it's hard to lay cable to houses out in the sticks but those same houses have electricity and they have phone lines it stands to reason that once upon a time it was hard to lay those cables out there too so starlink comes along and says we'll just put forty thousand satellites in the sky problem solved well, not really. This premium service is targeted at businesses, but presumably a business that needs 500 megabits per second will pay for a provider to just run the damn cable or, crazy thought, not build their business in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Now, I'm not going to say people shouldn't have Starlink Premium. 
I'm just not sure who it's for exactly. Oh, and by the way, you know how the equipment for Starlink costs $500 for normal service? Well, that's multiplied by five as well, up to $2,500 for gear you'll need to overpay for internet service that still isn't all that good. I mean, honestly, the jokes kind of write themselves at this point. Google is never one to brag about its phone sales, and that's likely because Pixel phone sales are usually a crap show. But Q4 was apparently a very good quarter for the aggressively priced flagship. It turns out that making an impressive phone and selling it for a low price can actually encourage people to, you know, buy them. Google is typically pretty cagey about Pixel sales numbers, mostly so investors don't force them to stop making Pixels. Understandable, and six generations in, it's a good thing they didn't stop. Another story later in the week suggests that Google has sold as many as 10 million Pixels overall, or as Apple would call it, Tuesday. There is a Pixel-exclusive app called Security Hub that shows up in the Google Play Store with 10 million downloads. Well, presumably, if the app has 10 million downloads, that means that there are 10 million phones out there that have installed it. If it's a Pixel-exclusive, bada-bing, 10 million Pixels. 9to5Google notes that typically download numbers are obscured for first-party Pixel-exclusive apps, but this one is... Not. Of course, that means 10 million pixels from the Pixel 4 and up, which isn't a terribly accurate way of counting, but it's the best we got. So we're taking the positive and saying that between Google sales figure bragging and 10 million Pixel phones, Google should be catching up to Apple's Tuesday any month now. This week, NASA announced plans to retire the International Space Station in 2030. Well, Retire might be a bit disingenuous. I imagine the conversation went something like this. Izzy, come on in here and take a seat. Uh, I'm afraid your work has not been going too well lately, and the situation here is untenable. You see, wait, 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 wait. Are you firing me? No, 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 we're not firing you. We're just going to crash you into the ocean. Yeah, so when 2030 rolls around and we're all done living in space for a while, NASA is planning to deorbit the space station and put it on a crash course with Point Nemo, which is a place in the South Pacific Ocean that is the absolute farthest from land that you can get. We like to call that a wide margin of error. In fact, the other name for this point in the ocean is the Spacecraft Cemetery because that's where good little satellites go to die. Phil McAllister, director of commercial space at NASA, said, quote, The private sector is technically and financially capable of developing and operating commercial low-Earth orbit destinations with NASA's assistance. We look forward to sharing our lessons learned and operations experience with the private sector to help them develop safe, reliable, and cost-effective destinations in space. Sure. I get that. It's going to save NASA a ton of money, and yes, the private sector is technically and financially capable of maintaining a presence in space. But is the private sector motivated to do that? Elon Musk is monetizing space by selling satellite internet. We just talked about that. Jeff Bezos is launching people on top of giant space sticks for a few hundred million a pop. Where's the incentive to conduct, you know, scientific research in low gravity? I'm just not sure that the private sector will have the exploration of space as a primary interest. I'm all for allowing private companies to participate in space exploration. I'm just not sure I want to hand over the farm before I'm sure they won't turn it into a strip mall. And that might actually be one of the most appropriate metaphors I've used on this podcast. Huh. Good for me. 
Last week, we talked about how Neil Young pulled his music from Spotify in protest of Joe Rogan's, let's call them thoughts. Well, Spotify has decided to take strong, decisive action against Rogan by adding a content advisory to any podcast episode that contains, let's call them facts of questionable origin. Daniel X, CEO of Spotify, produced a statement in which he outlined the company's policy on misinformation. He said, quote, It's become clear to me that we have an obligation to do more to provide balance and access to widely accepted information from the medical and scientific communities guiding us through this unprecedented time. And side note, can we stop saying unprecedented time? We get it. It's unprecedented. And by the way, in a couple more years, it's going to be precedented. So anyway, the last two years, it wasn't clear, but now that artists are starting to pull their music in protest, now it's clear. Great talk, Daniel. Thanks. Good meeting. Meanwhile, CNN calls this whack-a-mole approach to content moderation. I call it more like the put-up-with-BS-detector method. It's not like Rogan hasn't been doing this for months, if not years. It's only now that we've reached the threshold of how much crap people are willing to put up with, and that's frustrating. We should never have gotten to this point, but... Here we are. By the way, according to CNN, Rogan's podcast is the most popular podcast in the United States and the United Kingdom. So, you know, awesome. Meanwhile, even if Rogan did get kicked off of Spotify, it wouldn't affect his listenership, but it would affect Spotify's listenership. And Spotify ain't having that. So the Rogan abides. And speaking of the Doomsday Clock, the Doomsday Clock got updated this week, and I have good news and bad news. The good news is, things haven't gotten any worse. But we're still 100 seconds from midnight of the proverbial clock that counts down to humanity's annihilation. So that's nice. For those of you who are not aware, the Doomsday Clock is not a literal clock. It's a representation of how close we are to self-annihilation. The clock is static, but once per year, the Science and Security Board of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, or CSAS BOBAs, which is the abbreviation I just made up, anyway, they get together and crunch some numbers to figure out how screwed we are. Midnight is the end of humanity, and out of a 24-hour clock, we are 100 seconds until midnight, which is to say that we are only 99.99995% screwed. Initially, when the Doomsday Clock was developed 75 years ago, it was to predict how close we were to destruction by nuclear weapons. Since then, humanity has gotten so much more creative in developing ways to end ourselves, including climate change, absolute inability to successfully deal with a global pandemic, Canadian rock bands, and oh, by the way, still freaking nuclear weapons. There are a lot of ways that humanity could end, and psst, it's all our fault. So that's fun. So the good news is, despite all the stupid ways we've manufactured to wipe humanity off the planet, we're no closer to actually doing it than we were two years ago. So whoop-de-frickin'-do, good for us, let's all be proud. And by the way, January is over, so I get to start drinking again. And finally, speaking of everything is terrible and we're all going to die, Amazon announced this week that the price of Amazon Prime is going to go up by $20 per year and just what the hell. And yes, I understand that I just got done talking about nuclear annihilation and satellites falling into the seas and all that, but this is the thing that pisses me off. Sorry. 
Amazon last raised the price by $20 four years ago, and this year it's doing it again. A yearly subscription will now be $139. Monthly subscriptions will go up from $13 per month to $15 per month. As part of the announcement, Amazon said, quote, Amazon also continues to invest heavily in Prime. And by invest heavily in Prime, we mean the $435 million Lord of the Rings cosplay party that we're putting on. Now, for the record, Amazon sold $137 billion with a B dollars in merchandise last quarter and has over 200,000 Amazon Prime subscribers. An extra $20 per year amounts to an extra $4 billion with a B dollars per year. So, yeah, that's some bucks they got there. Personally, I will continue to pay for Amazon Prime because I use it so much. You can basically find anything, usually at good prices, and you don't have to pay for shipping. I have to wonder how high I'll go, though. There is a limit. I'm just not sure what it is. Plus, as you listen to this, I'll be binge-watching the Jack Reacher TV series that Amazon just made. So, yeah, Amazon is in my good graces at this particular moment. Whether or not they stay there depends entirely on whether or not there will be a season two. Application, API, bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, object oriented, natural language, software, blue text editor, book margin, Boolean web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! This week for Tech Yeah, we're taking a look at an item that is appropriate for our discussion as I near the end of my six-month sabbatical with Apple. That's right, the Samsung Galaxy S22 is coming soon, so I'll likely be switching back to Android for the spring and summer months. So this week's item is yet another item that is built for iPhones, and specifically MagSafe. This is the Anchor Magnetic Desktop Charging Station. It's a lot to take in, so bear with me as I try to describe this on an audio podcast. The Anchor 637 Magnetic Desktop Charger looks like a 12-inch softball that sits on your desk, and I realize that a 12-inch softball might be a Chicago-only description, so I'll say it's about the size of a small cantaloupe. The cantaloupe has MagSafe charging on the front, spoiler alert, but you can stick your phone to it. Plus, on the back, there's a slice out of it, and so there's a flat part, and that flat part has three AC outlets, two USB-A outlets, two USB-C ports, and the USB-C ports are capable of power delivery up to 65 watts, so you can charge your laptop pretty fast. You'll recall I talked about a different anchor extension cord a while back. This is similar, except for the shape of the MagSafe component, and that's what clinches it for me. The MagSafe charging pad, by the way, is on an angle, so it holds the phone and it can be comfortably used while charging. The cable on the back is about 5 feet long, so it can stretch to where it's needed. The base is stable, which is more than I can say for that cube extension cord I talked about last time. This will generally stay in place, but I can't speak for it if you have something with a huge power plug or a power adapter plugged into it. The base of the charging stand isn't all that wide, so I can see it might be prone to twisting. Cable management will be important if you decide to pick one of these up. And speaking of which, it also comes with a fairly hefty price tag at $99. That's not terrible considering everything this charger offers, but it is on the pricey side. There's a link to it in the show notes and on benefitofadow.com, and if you decide to pick one up, You'll be helping out the show and you'll have my thanks, but for now, let's get back to the show.
Since the beginning of the pandemic especially, but in general, I think we've been gravitating in this direction. Apps have become the center of our, of our experiences and to an extent have actually started to replace the humans that we used to interact with on a fairly regular basis. And this became extremely clear to me when I vacationed at Walt Disney World this past winter. Specifically, what I want to talk about is largely the Disney app and actually the Hertz rental uh, car app, of all things. Um, but, like, in general, I think this is a conversation that we can have. So the, the subject of our conversation today is largely, like, the, the human experiences that we're kind of replacing with apps. And I think that's both a good thing and a bad thing. And I'm here to talk with Cliff and Thomas about it. Cliff, how are you doing this evening? Excellent. I'm Great. enjoying a tasty beverage, and I'm in good company. So what more can I ask uh, for? A tasty beverage. I'm still doing my dry January, so I'm a little I'm a little jealous. I'm actually I'm not sure what if your tasty beverage is drier. It's, it's actually alcohol. it it is a it is alcohol. It is the first alcohol. Well, I I have really cut back my consumption quite a bit. So I I, mm. I but uh, so I'm, in a way I'm kind of <laughs> I am doing a damp January, not so much a damp January. Okay, a All slightly right, that's, that's a slightly moist January, but I am enjoying a pint. Oh goodness. Oh, so, nice! If I'm gonna do it. Nice. I'm gonna do it right. Remind me to tell you about uh, tell you a story after we get off air. So, but anyway, so yeah, my dry January actually started on like January sixth um, because I was on vacation until the fourth, and I wasn't going to not drink on vacation. And then, like when we got back, my daughter got me like this uh, this tumbler glass. Um, that says something like because I have kids or something like that <laughs> or two I think it was two dad from the reasons you drink I think that's what it was she knows and so like she knows. yeah so she had to, she she made me she made me drink out of it the one time so okay anyway so my dry January is actually gonna go to about February 6th but anyway um, so when we were now if you've been to Disney World in the past few years you may have realized that disney world has become a very app centric place and um i believe you're right we did we did talk about this on TechBeard once upon a time about five or six years ago but i think it even it's grown even more since then like you use your phone for every damn thing in disney um when we got to the hotel, we did not have to check in at the front desk. We just went straight to our room, and our phone opened the door. Mm -hmm. When we went to the parks, um, we had our passes on our phones. Um, when we went to the parks, I had our passes on my Apple Watch. <laughs> so, like, I didn't even have to get my phone out. I just had to, like, swipe over to the right person, tap my watch, and we could go in. When you're at the park, you can order your food online and you can have it, you know, picked up at a certain place. They have lightning lanes, which is what they call them, which is basically through the app, you pick a ride that you want to go on and they tell you, okay, come to this ride at 530 and you won't have to wait in line. You can just get on the ride. I mean, like, it's it's insane what they're doing through apps hmm. these days. And, and the reason I brought up Hertz was because for the one day that we went to the Kennedy Space Center, which was the subject of last week's podcast, the one day that we went, we rented a car through Hertz, and on the way to the Hertz parking lot, I checked in with our car through the Hertz app. We didn't have to go to the counter. We just walked up to a car, got in, and left. That's actually really I disappointing. Mean, you didn't get a chance to have a Hertz donut. I, I, didn't, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> That's... Um, that's 
you're supposed to ask somebody if they want a Hertz donut. And then when they say, what's a Hertz donut? You hit them on the shoulder and you say a Hertz donut. <laughs> that's, that's kind of stupid, but also kind of funny. I like it. But I mean, like, it got me to thinking and like, I actually pitched this story to Digital Trends and they said, no, thanks. Um, but it like just got me to to thinking like how app centric we've become, and I think a, a lot of it is because of COVID. Like you know the most the most uh, local example that I can think of is uh, you know Target. When I when we make Target runs, fifty percent of the time we do everything in the app and we just have have them do it curbside. They bring it out, they put it in our trunk. Why would anyone shop any other way? I don't understand this. Um, you know when we when we're ordering food. 50% of the time, we, we order the food through the app, so we just have to, like, walk in, grab a bag, and leave. I mean, it's become such a... And I and I don't know... I genuinely do not know if we are better off for this. So, what do you think? I think, specifically in the health environment that we live in right now, I think it is, is a positive thing. I think the hmm. less human-to-human, like, direct contact kind of interaction you can have... Um, I, you know, I think that's a good thing, and especially when you don't Fair. have to go into a store, all those kind of things. I, I mean, I think Disney is almost like a separate thing because it just, from what everybody tells me, and, and I'm sure we'll discuss here, it's it's just it makes everything sort of magical and expi- expedited, and it's just that's really cool. But I think in general, yeah, it's it's interesting though. Yeah, just just really quickly, like uh, when I go to, especially chain restaurants. I mean, it's so many more parking spots are. are uh, dedicated to those, you know, where people just drive up and you yeah, come and they curbside. D- deliver it to you. Uh, yeah, the curbside pickup. I've done it uh, quite a few times now at Best Buy, specifically. Mm-hmm. Shout out to another mm. podcast that we recorded. <laughs> Usually I do have my wife and kid with me. and We just drive up, they bring it out, and they just say, I'm here. I'm in the green yep. car. Come out and bring it to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the social implications are um, long term, and I don't know if, we're, if we'll go back. Um you know, to, to something. I really hope we don't. Mm. <laughs> I really hope we don't because honestly, it's just so convenient to just drive up. Like the other day, it was. I mean, I felt so bad because you know, I'm 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 a decently reasonably in shape person. Like I can walk into a store and physically put items into a cart. Right. Like you know, don't ask me to run anywhere for any reason, but I can walk and I can carry things. But the other night, it was like I don't know. 10 degrees out something like that some some crap like that and we did a we did a target order and just the poor, the poor person that had to bring that order out like in a cart and like you know huddle over her thing <laughs> while she was trying to order, type order, in order, these order. numbers <laughs> and like you know and 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 you know then just put it in the like I legitimately felt bad I'm like I totally could have walked into the store and gotten this stuff like I did not need to make them come out but I mean it's like some companies are really on on point with this. Some companies are still lagging behind. Like, have you done a Walmart pickup order? I mean, I don't know how it is around you, but our Walmart is a dumpster fire when it comes to pickup orders. Like, you pull into the to the spot and they have a phone number, like the Target app. You tell it when you're coming, so they know to start getting your order together. Mm-hmm. They you tell them when you get there, so they know to bring it out. And then they have like a code that you show them, so they know you're the right person. Right. At Walmart, you pull up; they have a phone number of like 
I <laughs> it's not literally, but it, it may as well be spray painted on the side of the building. You call that number, and they have no idea who you are or what you're talking about. I'm here to pick up an order. Oh, you want an order? What's your number? What's your name? And, like, maybe they bring it out ten minutes later. It's it's actually fairly terrible. Yeah, that, that's um, pretty similar to the experience that I had uh, pre-pandemic when, you know, because they've had the, the, you know, order stuff online and pick it up in the, in this case, the back of the store and, like, the, the yeah. designated, like, orange area. And every time that I have done that with Walmart, it's stacked with a whole bunch of other things in the very back where, you know, they picked it and then it's there. There's yeah. almost never someone at the, the register, so they have to go. Mm-hmm. Someone, I have to go mm-hmm. like find the person. It's never been a good experience, so I can't imagine that um, the car, the curbside experience from Walmart is much better. It also may depend on the store too. So it, it might, it might, but um, but I mean, just just the now, I want you're right. You are absolutely right when you say when it comes to the health situation that we're in right now it's definitely better to minimize contact as much as possible but i gotta say going forward like i really hope that curbside is one of those things that really catches on because i have to think like a lot of these companies have devoted a lot of infrastructure to Mm -hmm. this you know like target alone just in app development costs alone you know they've already put this is already a sunk cost for them so i have to imagine that this is gonna stick around but like and, and we're not we're not psychologists here, so obviously it's going to be hard for us to determine like what the long term effects of this are going to be. But I gotta say, like I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> My thought is so. At, I work for a um, high end resort, and things that um, we've had to do because of the pandemic is you know the same thing that most places like a resort have had to do, where we're minimizing contact and, and human interaction is less. And, and one of the things that our resort is known for is that southern hospitality the interactions with you know sometimes people that have been at this place for 30 40 years and so people have been coming having that mm-hmm. same you know waiter or bellman and, and so they, they have like personal conversations and and that's that's part of like yeah. the premium experience right and so mm-hmm. i i would as much as the appification of things is nice I think there's still something to be said for, besides just the social ramifications of of less human interaction, just that it almost becomes like a, like, I I wonder, does like human interaction become like a premium experience and that's it? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, does Mm. it, does it get, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Well, because I mean, when you think about it, like we've been on this track for a long time. When you look at the decline of like shopping malls compared to like Amazon, you know, and now the decline of shopping malls probably has more to do with like Walmart than it does Amazon, right, right. but still. Um, but even so, like, you know, this Christmas, I can't think of a single. That's not true. Uh, my wife's stocking stuffers, I went to a store to actually buy. But like, of the gifts that we bought, I can't think of a single one that I didn't order from Amazon. And like, you know, a lot. So a lot more of our transactions have been occurring online right. for years right. now. This right. is not a new thing. And you know what? Probably going to edit this out, but I'm getting some feels here because this kind of feels like a tech beard topic. It does. <laughs> like, I'm, get, I'm getting some real feels here. But anyway, so this is nice. Um, but anyway, so, like, it, you know, it just as a society, I think we've been we've been leaning in the direction of, of um, 
you know, less humans, less going out, you know, more things being brought to us, that type of, uh, that type of situation. So, and, 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 and I, and I have to think that like the pandemic may have spurred us, yeah. you know, may have forced this evolution air quotes to, to where we're doing everything through apps now, but it's just like, it's so, I don't know. It, it it honestly feels magical, but at the same time, like especially at Disney, and let's let's use this opportunity to transition back to Disney, because there's a lot of stuff that you can do on your phone in Disney that isn't just you know admission stuff. But like a lot of the things that Disney does is very heavily reliant on network connectivity, mm. and if you've ever put you know sixty thousand people in the same space. Before I don't know if it's sixty thousand people. It's probably not sixty thousand people. It's a lot of thousands of I people. I would be surprised, honestly. With I've only been to Disney once, and just the sheer amount of parking lots that you have, all named after like different characters. And yeah, that's true. that kind of stuff. But just as an aside, I wouldn't know anything I wouldn't about parking because I stayed in on property, so we just bust <laughs> everywhere. Um, Look at you, fancy pants. It was very nice, and you know what? It was it was great for an entire week. There was no reason to stay sober. <laughs> anyway, uh, no. Getting back though, um, uh, uh, it, it was heavily reliant on network connectivity, and a lot of the times, it you know even with even with all the five Gs that we have, there was still a lot of connectivity problems. Like I did a tweet. I, I don't know if you saw it or not, but like you know, I said Disney says use our app for the best experience. Also Disney, and it was just a spinning circle, like trying to process. <laughs> Um, and you know what? I actually got a—I actually got a, not a hate mail, but like uh, someone said, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're on an iPhone. I thought you were on—I thought you were an Android fan all these years." I'm like, seriously. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm like, well, if it helps, the video was taken with a Pixel Six. <laughs> so, Can we just—I'm going to do like just a five second. Stop it. That's a—that's a bad person. Stop it. One hundo. <laughs> anyway. Um, so like, but still, network connectivity was a major problem there, and so, uh, you know, we were speculating at Digital Trends in like our our work our, our work chat, like, you know, Disney really should, if they haven't already, they should build like millimeter wave antennas into every like as many hidden Mickey's as there are, they should have <laughs> millimeter wave antennas that are hidden and built into the lands the landscape and the sculpture there, because like, if there's anybody who can do it, it's Disney engineers. You know, if they they can take a, a, a series of radar towers and ter- make them look like a tree, I have zero doubts that that's going to be a problem. So, I mean, if they if they like blanketed that park and like maybe not even millimeter wave towers, but still five G towers, like because like one of the one of the attractions of five G was the the increased bandwidth and being able to put forty thousand people in a stadium and everybody can right, use their phones. Exactly. That was one of the promises. We still don't have that, although. Actually, now that Verizon and AT&T are rolling out their mid-band, who knows? But, like, T-Mobile? That doesn't work. No. <laughs> Trust me, that doesn't work. I spend half my summer at Great America. I know that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> By the way, I'm just going to say Hidden Mickey sounds like uh, a band. It, it should be. And if it isn't, it, it will be. And, actually, it wouldn't surprise me if it was, like, some kind of Disney cover band. <laughs> Um, but uh, <laughs> this is true. But you know, the, but here's the thing that I was thinking about. Just going back to that premium experience thought, right? Is that I, if I could think of any company that that could blend 
the touchless uh, and and like ex- expedited experience of, of the app of the app thing with like the doors, and mm-hmm. still maintain that level of of like interaction and customer service and and just friendly people. It would be Disney because that. Yeah, it's amazing. Like that that place. Even I I work at like I said a, a really high end resort that's known for its hospitality. But oh my god, <laughs> like Disney is crazy with it. <laughs> well, well, and and this is a side note and completely unrelated to our topic. But you know one th- one problem that Disney does not have that like most other places do have these days, staffing issues. Yeah, Disney yeah. does not have staffing issues. Disney has people whose entire job is like to stand next to a line and say here's the line. Mm-hmm. I mean that's like their entire job. Like you go to Six Flags here in Chicago and like during Fright Fest they had like a zombie shortage. Like <laughs> I, 5 years ago they used to have like the entire park was like blanketed in like scary characters and zombies and this year you went there and there were like stretches where there was just like nothing. There were no Halloween decorations. There was and like they would have like these little scenes here and there mm-hmm. where like you know they would have people like in costume and whatever doing their things but like disney does not have a personnel shortage at all and god bless them because they're like and it's funny like i know a bunch of people that have worked for disney over the years and like i knew people that were like porters for disney like the people that literally carried your baggage to your rooms mm-hmm. and they said it was the best job that they ever right. had and they're like they're engineers now Right, <laughs> and it was just like, you know, damn. <laughs> so my, um, my dad actually, I think I probably actually said this on um, a previous podcast that you. I think you have. Was almost an Imagineer. I wouldn't exist mm. if he had, but it's still pretty cool as an engineer. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm glad he went in the direction that he did. I'm just saying that's pretty cool. You know, I was yeah. thinking, I, it just just talking about this, not just Disney, but just um, the whole. Appification and touchless and, and all these these kind of things, the integrated technology and stuff, makes me think about something I I would really like to try, and that's the, the Amazon Fresh stores that Amazon has, yeah. where yeah. you go in and and you you you've got I guess you're just logged into your I don't know if it's like a geolocation kind of thing, but you're basically just logged in from the minute you go into your Amazon account. There is no like checkout buggy. You're just putting stuff into the special buggy, and then you bag it all and you walk out, and it bills you. And you that is really cool. We have an Amazon Fresh store. You in my need to try. I it. really should go. Yes, I really should go. Now that I, I was just looking that up, I'm like, you know what? I think they opened one of those around <laughs> us. But we do all our shopping at Target, so I've never yeah, had a chance yeah. to go. But I really should just for the experience of it. I'd be curious, um, just you know, because that's like two different sides of uh of i wouldn't say a coin but like two different ways to sort of experience you know that where because you have the curbside experience or whatever you want to call it where they're bringing it out to you versus you just going in and gathering right. it all yourself and then walking out and you're not really interacting with anybody and and it's all digitally built and i don't know mm. it's just too yeah it's interesting yeah, it, it it I I really should try that actually. Now that you mention it, it's just like why haven't I? Like me being me, that's really that's really something that I should have tried. But you're right. Like and and I don't know I don't know if that's a bad thing. Like like I want to say it's kind of a bad thing, but at the same time I don't necessarily like I personally don't think it's a bad thing that we're like removing 
you know, humans from the equation. Again, like, sociologically speaking, this sounds like a terrible thing to say, but, like, technologically speaking, just the fact that we've, you know, kind of been able to... Oh, my God, they're coming for our jobs. Uh, No, just the (laughs) fact that we've been able to, like, replace a lot of people with, like, app interactions is kind of amazing and kind of what people have been, like, terrified of and probably part of the reason why we should have a universal basic income. But at the same time, like, you know, we're also living in a time when people don't want to work. I mean, not that people don't want to work, but people don't want to work crappy jobs for for crappy companies that don't care about them. And I need to make that distinction because it's not that people don't want to work. They just they just want to live their lives and like they want to have we've been in this service economy now for for 20 25 30 years and you just don't have those manufacturing jobs and I won't delve into this but it does make me think right. of, of McDonald's I don't know if you've had the experience of walking in and they've got the basically looks like two vertically oh, yeah. oriented the, TVs the, the touch screens yeah and now they're promoting an app for points I mean they're really trying to push you you know toward, towards using their app and I mean and I don't think that's about that's not really necessarily about depersonification it's more about like just turnover like get in get your food get out you know but it's but I, what i was gonna say is i haven't really had the best experience with it and i'll tell you what i mean is that you know you order and then mm-hmm. you pick up the little number on the side and then you go if you order a drink though or there's no like what person that walks up to you and hands you the cup to fill up your drink right before so you, you get your meal and, right i have yeah. to go and ask for it and it's like well why am i not just going to the thing in the first place and ordering <laughs> It's like right. McDonald's really haven't found, or maybe it's just my location again. But I, yeah, there's yeah. definitely there's definitely different levels uh, of um, uh, execution. You know, it's one little one one extra neat thing, and we actually need to wrap up because yeah. we're yeah. R- running a little bit long here. But one other extra neat thing about um, about Disney is they've got these cups, these refillable cups that you can buy like for twenty bucks, and it's good for like the entire your entirety of your stay, and it's just free refills, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And we easily drank twenty dollars worth of Coke while we were there. But um, they've got NFC tags in the bottom of the cup. So that, like, when you buy the cup, they program it in, like, okay, you're going to be here until the 12th. This cup will work until the 12th. And you take it up, and you put it into the machine, and there's actually an NFC reader in the base of the machine. So you have to, like, put your cup down so that it reads, Mm -hmm. and then it will dispense the... uh, it will dispense the Coke, which is kind of cool, but also kind of annoying because, like, when I, I pour my Coke, like, I pour my beers, like, up the side of the glass. Right, right. So that it doesn't fizz as much. And by the way, everybody, that totally works. You need to do that. Yeah, it does. But anyway, um, so I do that up the side, but I couldn't do that at Disney because I had to leave the cup on the oh, NFC reader. Right. Because if I picked it up, it would say, nope, you don't. Because otherwise, you know, people would put down their cups and then bring out, like, a two-liter it's bottle. All, and- it's all part of the Disney's <laughs> evil plan to have you make you have more foam than you otherwise would have well it's all part of disney's plan to make you walk like back to the back to the uh the the vending machines like five or six times throughout the day <laughs> because if you want to get more coke you have to go back to the machines and, and i don't know if you've ever stayed on property at disney but not. it's like a t- it's like a two or three block walk <laughs> so it's uh they they very much sprawl their hotel did you stay in a so. did you stay in a themed hotel yeah, we were at Port Orleans Riverside. Ooh. So, and it was nice. You get to take the take the buses everywhere. Did you have uh, a did you get a uh oh, a beignet or something while you were in? They did not have beignets, Aww. unfortunately. Yeah, I think I I want to say French Quarter had a beignet place, but 
we were in Riverside, not French Quarter. So that was a transition. It is what it is. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, that is, we got to go ahead and wrap this up. So that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And I'd like to thank Cliff for coming on and chatting with me about apps and the depersonification of everything, including myself, actually. As of next week, this podcast is going to be generated entirely by ai i'm kidding please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it and if you really enjoyed it i would love it if you would write a review for the show and you can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash benefit once again that's ratethispodcast.com slash benefit you can write to the show by visiting benefitofadow.com slash contact i'd like to thank cliff thomas for all of his hard work behind the scenes as well but most of all and as always i'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.